When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Blow the testing down. Remove him from office. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. Will you shut up, man? Hello and welcome to the Betches Up Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman. And I'm Caitlin Bird. And the Betches Up Podcast is your daily rundown of all the craziest shit going on. There's brought to you by your two funniest, well-informed friends. Which is us. Which is us. Happy Wednesday. How's it going, Caitlin? It is, well, preparing for the storm that's about to hit New York. Um, Locked in and... Grateful that I've finished all of my major Christmas shopping so that way I don't have to think about what I'm doing next. Yeah, you're telling me we're going to have to work from home and stay inside for a little while? <laughs> mm, it seems like that might be the possibility. Oh, it would be a massive change of our current circumstances. <laughs> right, exactly. So first things first, I wish Elise were here for this COVID update because Co- Elise is our resident. We're not getting a COVID bill. Um, I think we all sort of have felt that way, but she has been the most confident announcing it on every podcast. But it looks like today we might get a COVID stimulus bill and it might have some direct payments. What? What has happened? So Negotiations have been stalled as each party tries to reconcile their respective hard lines. Uh, For the Democrats, they have insisted on state and local funding, while Republicans are resisting doing anything until there's corporate liability protections. But checks are pretty acceptable to both parties, I I believe. So they were added basically to try to make this bill more palatable to a bipartisan group of legislatures. This money will probably come from slashing the aid to states and cities for now. Um, you know, people were saying it'll come, it'll come sometime, but that's what they've been saying this whole time. They've wanted to make a second bill is like, let's just square this away and we'll deal with that later. But I know a lot of people aren't satisfied with that answer, but the checks had been a real sticking point for the progressive caucus. People like Bernie Sanders and Pramila Jayapal have really held on this and it looks like it might've paid off. That's uh, I mean, it's exciting. It's good. It's tragic that our government effectively like does not work. Like, like, there's always, I mean, everyone's been complaining about Congress since Congress was invented. So don't want to like toss out here like, oh, man, this is like new levels of bad in our government. But like, it's bad Um, from a perspective that we're in the midst of a crisis and basically only one half of our legislature even trying to fix things, um, holding out for corporate liability protections deciding that you're going to cut aid to state. Like one of the problems I think with the the structure 
and I'm excited for them to to finish something. And I'm excited for something to be passed. And whatever aid people get ultimately is more important than like the specifics of structuring it. But at the same time, you can't switch direct payments out of the state and city thing because it will ultimately undermine the point of giving the direct money. Like you'll get direct money, but then you're you're if you're in New York. Our mass transit system, the one of the largest systems in the world of its kind, the lifeblood of the city. If there were no mass transit in New York, this city would just die. It would just keel over in a handful of days. Mm-hmm. It, it would be catastrophic for our healthcare workers. There's no transportation here that would fill in that mm-hmm. gap. And everyone moving to cars would be one of the greatest like just from a carbon standpoint, but from just a logistical standpoint, one of the greatest nightmares that has ever been (laughs) managed moving people in the United States. Horrific. And yet we're here having a discussion about whether or not we're going to even fund states and localities. That's firefighter. I mean, we're going into the holiday. This is the, 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 one of the highest rates of public use in the year. Mm -hmm. Hospitals, because of, and that's not even calling about COVID. That's just normal. Normally we get a massive spike in needing our public services at this time of year. Police, I suppose if you need them. Well, um, Millie, I was going to say, Millie made the most amazing point on the podcast yesterday, which is Republicans want to defund the police. <laughs> They're not giving money yeah. to states and localities and then they can't pay police. I mean, you're talking about uh, no protection. Like this is one of the biggest times for for local funding of of things like charities, coats, uh, support for winter oil. One of the big things is that there are multiple heating oil programs at the state and local level that keep people warm during this time of year. Most people don't know that unless you're participating in one, mm-hmm. but that's a big one. I mean, we, <laughs> the amount of catastrophe that this is going to lay on states and localities is going to be a, like, like catas- it's catastrophic. It's really, really bad. And we're going to give individual families and people money. And that is so important. And it's going to help fix so many parts of our economy, but it's not enough. Like all of the layers need to be reconstructed at this point because it's really, really bad. And I think that that's one of the the problems is like, I mean, government is boring. Okay. Like, Yeah, giant narratives about like who is going to win the sit on the Iron Throne is way more fun. But if you were living in Westeros, I got to tell you, you were not super (laughs) psyched about the constant warfare and who slept with whose sister and like you didn't care. You're like, why do why am I not not a fantasy? Yeah, all the time. So now we're the citizens of Westeros, you guys. This is, we're the citizens of Westeros. Not, no, we're not the nobles of Westeros. We're the citizens of Westeros. Oh God, no, are we current? <laughs> does that mean us. we're living? Does it mean we're living through the terrible final season? We really were, and, and we're not <gasps> living in the poorly lit episode. That's where we are right now. <laughs> like, what the? Oh, hell that feels so on? real. Right. Yeah. And I mean, so many of these, so many provisions we've gone through them on this show are expiring December twenty third. And I, I don't want to suggest that $1,200 isn't a lot of money to the people that need it. Of course it is. If you are, if you need food and to stay 
in your apartment or your home. Of course it is, but it's, it's not going to do what some of this other stuff we, we needed in addition to these things. It's going to last a lot of people with families. I, it's like this big exchange, like exchanging one even thing for another. And it's just when it's so clear to us that we need both. Whenever we talk about this on the podcast or post about it, people from Canada and other countries are like, you got $1,200 once they can't believe it. They cannot believe it. Yeah, unless this bill is going to set up some form of direct payment for an extended period of time, like you're going to get a check once a month. There's no point, like a single, like I cannot believe that these are the debates that we're having, which is like, like the other thing to be clear about is like we got $1,200 once. That $1,200 is effectively, like we've just decided, like people have a have accumulated debts, have accumulated problems in the span between these checks. This is not like, oh, cool, mm-hmm. now you're fixed. Like, it's it's not moving us forward. People are just going to continue. We have the unemployment benefits still have not come back. We're talking about people who have been at this point getting basically like $200 a week from unemployment. And then not even that. And there was an extra 600 that had been uh, had gone through in July and then ended then. And now we've just had months of people not getting those. Ben- I, I can't. I, yeah, just, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's expensive. It's people's it's expensive to be poor if you have not had income and have been racking up credit card debt. And now you're going to have to pay interest on that for who knows how long or you're overdrafting to pay something before you get paid. And those fees those fees build up. You're paying late fees or you have to take out a shitty loan just to make ends meet. And then you're stuck paying that. I mean, that's $1,200, just the interest you have built on not having income. Yeah. If you're talking about, by the way, rent, I just want to be clear that if you're in New York City and you pay $1,200 in rent, you are stealing something. Where are you? Can I move in with you? Can I move? I want to move in with you. Are you serious? Yeah. If you met rent in the city, like $1,200, like that is, if you have to pay something else, like don't, just, there are people who are going to get that money. And it's just going to be like, that's literally food, paying off a little bit of the debt and like the, the most essential stuff. Like, oh, well, I have electricity this holiday season. Yeah. Pramila Jayapal calls them survival checks. And I think that's really important. It's really just surviving and not getting deeper in the hole. Yeah. Yeah. This is. It's good that there's going to be a COVID bill. It's bad that it took this long. It's going to be way below what it needs to be to solve the problem. And we have people who are holding up relief for people are like, I mean, just not even just dying from the pandemic. They are dying from the lack of resources to keep their lives okay. People are losing access to things like electricity. They're losing water access. I mean, (laughs) and, and we are having them hold that up for corporate liability. When we had a story come out that the corporate side was basically making bets on how many of their workers was gonna die from COVID. I just like that's where you want to shield people. Mm-hmm. That's that's the energy. That's that's where we need to be right now. No other country on the planet is doing this this shit right now. It's completely no. mind-boggling to me that Americans have to beg not for their government not to kill them. And we are in theory a representative government. Just theoretically they're supposed to be representing us. They're like 
hmm, maybe you could all just die. Have you thought about that? That would solve all of our problems. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits healthier hair and skin. Yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great. It looks fancy on the shelf. And I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. We were saying on the podcast yesterday, trying to think, you know, looking at people, looking at the turnout for Trump, like when small business owners who are struggling hear something like corporate liability, do they maybe think like, "Mm, that doesn't sound that bad. But thinking, I mean, the corporate liability sounds bad. Republicans aren't even trying to make it seem like, no, 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 it's just, it's just so that if you have a small business and somebody got sick, your business doesn't go under. I think a lot of people can sort of get on board, maybe can see the rationale of that, but they're not even saying that. They're calling it corporate liability protections. They want the meatpacking specific. I I see that. They might as well call it Tyson. Yeah, Tyson liability protection. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of our crumbling cities, so... We got news yesterday that Pete Buttigieg has been selected as transportation secretary. We've touched on these in the shows, um, but the cabinet is coming together in a rather interesting way. Um, A lot of us were hoping Joe Biden would build like a really cool, unique cabinet out of fun materials that represented the American people. To me, it looks more like he just bought his old boss's used Ikea cabinet and is like, this, this'll do, this is fine. So obviously 
Pete Buttigieg was not in the Obama administration, but he's not exactly a progressive icon and seems to fall sort of in the same category. The same, the same critiques Buttigieg earned during the Democratic primary seem to have stuck with him now. Notably, critics noted that Buttigieg's relatively sparse experience as a mayor of a city about 100,000 people. It just didn't compare to some other people who were being considered for this position, including people that ran Department of Transportation's and really big, diverse cities, socioeconomically and ethnically diverse. So what does this department do? The Transportation Department helps oversee the nation's highway systems, its planes, mass transit, and infrastructure. Uh, I hope everyone is alarmed. I think about our crumbling bridges every single day. <laughs> it's terrifying. And the 38-year-old would oversee about 55,000 employees with a budget of around $87 million. Big gig. <laughs> yeah, but then you think about the fact that he was conceited enough to run for president. Yeah. <laughs> so then I think... Wow, you know, um, I mean, like, yes, this is a downgrade for Pete Buttigieg, but it just highlights how how massively arrogant it was to think that he should be president of the United States when people are like, actually, now that you just named him, like, it's one of those things where it's like, if you qualified for that, that's exactly. I mean, it really does. I guess if the message is shoot for the moon, you might land in the cabinet. Yeah, I mean, I have I have issues with people. I mean, like South Bend is not a city famous for its infrastructure, uh, especially around mass transit. I think that especially this is a time where infrastructure is going to have to be completely reconsidered. We have a lot of crumbling infrastructure. We got a lot of uh, civic infrastructure in terms of transportation that really needs to be reconsidered. Uh, Joe Biden has talked about the massive expansion in rail that is going to be that would be overseen by Pete Buttigieg. Um, I mean, good for him, I guess, that he's getting a cabinet appointment. He worked really he lobbied really hard for it. Um, he campaigned really hard for it. The expectation was that he was going to end up um, in Biden's cabinet. But it does. It's not it. I'm not insensitive to the fact that like. <laughs> So I, I keep up with Joe Biden and how he's doing and everything because like we can't always focus on Trump and the impending ship, the, the constant shit show he produces. Yeah. But it does trouble me that the problems I had with Joe Biden when he was in the primary are not going away. Like he's not alleviating any of them. He is doing much of what I thought he was going to do, which is take black people for granted and then continue to ignore us and overlook our voices, even though we are literally the only group that has successfully been right at this constant level across American history. Like no one's been writer than us kind of (laughs) statistically across the history of the country. Yeah. um, There was a really hard to watch uh, round table he did with civil rights leaders it was very hard to watch. I couldn't even figure out how to pick a clip. Um, it was hard to watch. It was pretty patronizing. Um, do you want to summarize it? Yeah. Uh, so I I personally couldn't sit through the whole thing. I saw some clips and uh, my skin was crawling. So I kind of opted out yeah. of watching the entire experience. But basically, um, you know, uh, major civil rights leaders, including Sherilyn Eiffel, who uh, is... Is she on the shortlist for AG? I hope so. She is not, <laughs> as far as I can tell. 
on the short list. And if she is, then the way he treated her on that call is significantly problematic um, for yeah. someone that you would trust to run your, your be the top law enforcement agent in the country. Um, she is the head of the NAACP uh, Educational uh, Legal Defense Fund. Uh, sh- that, by the way, was the group that effectively argued Brown versus Board of Education um, and has been doing work around like educational equity, other forms of equity in um, in race and segregation for our, for literally decades. This is a group that has an incredible legacy. Um, and she was on that call. Um, there was the head of the NWCP on that call. So we had some pretty serious civil rights icons um, living and you know currently working. And Joe Biden basically was like, aren't you grateful that you're like even here? Like you didn't, if, if you have problems with my proposals, you didn't read it. Like he legitimately said that to someone who was like, here's my critique. And he was like, "You, uh, that's not what it says. You didn't read it. And she was like, no, I, I read it. Yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, just the president elect, like, just, just in case you're wondering, like I, I'm literate and I absolutely did <laughs> read what you said. And I did, this is a critique coming from, you know, and he wasn't internalizing any of it. He was being no, really I mean, weirdly defensive like he always is. He's I'm happy to take to display like when he has like the support and the warmth that he gets. But if there's ever anything where it's like, well, what about this? He suddenly it's not a good look. No. And he's especially this way about race. You know, he <laughs> to some degree, the paternalism. I mean, I've always been sitting out here being like, OK, well, it's 2020. Has he ever apologized for saying that saying nice things about Jim Eastland, who, again, very famous, very bigoted, pro like straight up pro violence towards black people. And I mean, like pro violence, he advocated oh, yeah. violence. And Joe, Joe Biden in 2019 was like, he was fine. And then Kamala Harris and Cory Booker were both like, that is not fine. And then he was like, you should apologize. And they were like, you should apologize. And then he said, no, they should apologize to him for suggesting that he was like not a good yeah. person. And I was like, and that has never been resolved, by the way. He he brought Kamala Harris onto his team. <laughs> Okay, she's VP. Um, again, I, I'm not discounting how important it is. I'm not discounting how symbolic it is. I'm not discounting how much trust and value is being placed in her. And I certainly do not discount the fact that because of Joe Biden's age, because of our current nightmare pandemic situation, we have to keep in mind that the VP may be called upon to serve their essential purpose in government. However, there is no value to the VP without that purpose. So that job is essentially whatever Joe Biden decides it is. He has said that he wants it to be a bigger deal, but that doesn't mean she has any actual power. Right. And for that, he seems very, he seems like he's given somehow Kamala a gift when frankly she did him the favor. Like if she, if he had not had a black woman on the ticket, there's no, no. way, no way he, he gathers enough momentum to beat Donald Trump. Right. Yeah. Right. Like that got you in the door, Joe, that that's not it. You're not done. That let you survive this.
We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and a of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. So this call happened amid, um, again, some, some disappointing, if not confusing, cabinet selections. So Representative Marsha Fudge of Ohio, she was favored to head the Department of Agriculture. She really has the experience and perspective to orient the department towards actually addressing food insecurity. She has always advocated for SNAP and really advocated for this department's role, basically a bigger role in combating hunger and food insecurity and helping minority farmers who are often left out of these conversations. Um, Instead, Biden has appointed the same dude that had this job in the Obama administration, former Iowa Governor Tom Vilsack. Fudge was instead appointed to lead the Housing and Urban Development Department. She doesn't have a ton of relevant experience here. Um, it, so it feels like an unfortunate and completely avoidable glass cliff situation where she's being put somewhere. I don't know. It just it does seem like tokenism, and it seems like that's kind of not new for this particular role. Yeah, and I was really surprised when I saw that she was going to be at Housing and Urban Development when that's, again, not really her niche. One of the things that has been really striking to me is, you know, like, we have, I mean, everything is on fire. We know everything is on fire. And it's been burning for our moment. And it's going to be, it's going to be a mess. So if that's the case, then you want people who are who are best developed to get onto the ground running to not have to think or like learn their subjects he could have chosen if he's going to choose somebody who's a retread from the obama administration to take over 
a an important space, you know, Julian mm-hmm. Castro is right there for housing and urban development. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I know somebody who is in, um, who's a federal employee in HUD and was like, this was done really well. This was thought of really well. This was engaged really well. Like, okay, if you're going to choose somebody who's already been there, Julian Castro, first of all, adds Latinos, which again is a problem. But we talked at all about Latino representation inside this cabinet. The man's got problems. Apparently, the biggest problem he has is listening. What a surprise. White man in his 70s has trouble with <laughs> other people. He does not fundamentally respect his equals. Go figure. Right, right. It's just, it doesn't make any sense because if Biden is presumably using the rationalization of, okay, we have to hit the ground running, so I have to have the most experienced people, I, I can see that, like, I am happy to see Susan Rice back in there overseeing domestic policy, more than happy. But then why pick Pete Buttigieg for transportation when he doesn't have any experience there? He does have some minimal experience, but people are reaching. People on Twitter yesterday were saying, he really, we're pointing to anecdotes where from newspaper articles that said, well, he loved playing with trains when he was a kid. Well, we all liked playing with trains. So I have a hard time seeing what the calculus is. And that's why he can't, I don't, I'm not really convinced of his defense of the calculus because it's been so inconsistent. Yeah. And again, uh, the, the problem with Biden is always going to be like, can he listen? You know, can he, can he listen? Can he empower people? to to do the work that needs doing and it was it you know long-term critique on him has always been like he's nice funny charming very pleasant good character cares about people wants to get work done all great that does not change the fact that we are in the midst of one of the greatest crises in our history as a country and we need someone who understands how these systems can be rebuilt not just rebuilt, but sometimes the the one that was existing was insufficient to the task. So you might need to go from scratch, in which case you need somebody who really understands a new vision of how things are going to work. I don't trust McKinsey, former McKinsey alum, uh, yeah. guy, you know, ran, just thought, thought he should be president at 38 from running South Bend who ignored police shootings of black people. Yeah, the South Bend Black Lives Matter chapter has said this was a bad choice. You know, like people who said it before I don't know if I would hire, Like I, I'm here wondering if I would hire him to like run something. Like, like I would hire him to run some basic stuff. I have some, and he's also, and this is a side, but like he's also tight with Facebook, which I find the fact that he's still tight with Mark Zuckerberg after all of this, because they were classmates, yo, like, I don't know, man, like, if my classmate, like, helped facilitate a genocide, I might be like, <laughs> well, I think I'm gonna stop being friends with you. Like, I might just be like, not gonna talk to you at reunion. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, so we're still waiting to hear about Interior and Attorney General. I mean, it's gonna be some mayhem if he does not put Dem Holland as Interior after this long of us standing her and her clearly being the best person for that job. And we're still waiting on attorney general. So maybe those picks will be. I mean, Doug more Jones, satisfying. Like he's in the lead for attorney general. I'm really happy that he has, he, you know, he has a history of protecting 
civil rights. Um, he did prosecute the terrorists who killed the four little girls at the 1963 uh, Birmingham church bombing. Uh, happened September 15th, I believe. So, like, if you you go back to that, that was horrific, and and he went and he fought for it, and that's uh, really really great. I mean, in conjunction with how Biden is working now, is that enough? Is is Doug Jones going to go as hard against someone like Jeff Sessions, who might be implicated in multiple crimes against the yeah. Republic? Like, what are we doing here? Is he going to turn back on Republicans and bring the the fear of God, as it were, into them? Is Are they going to be worried that they're going to go to jail? I mm-hmm. want someone who's going to make Republicans afraid that they might lose everything. And oh, I don't yeah. know that from Doug Jones. He feels kind yeah, of- I don't know. He seems so gentle and nice. I mean, I know he's not, and that's like, now I'm stereotyping a man based on his gentle persona, but I'm like, oh. Doug, you're too too fragile for this role. He's obviously not. He's a badass. I want AG Hillary Clinton. No, I'm kidding. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> that would be I never agree to it, but we can wild. That would be amazing. He's still a practicing lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna be actually right in a few hours. We're recording um, a Q and A episode that will come out later, and there's a lot of a uh, of a lot of like fantasy questions there that will be fun to answer. So until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Betches.